This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Knockout Podcast episode 46. Um, welcome back. We we uh, are greeted with um, UFC 258 um, in our in our rearview mirror and we've got that to look back on, which uh, in terms of the main event, I think um, Gilbert Burns did his best to uh, drag a fun fight out of Usman, which... Um, We'll touch upon, um, and actually, in terms of fights on the main card, I thought I thought there was some there was some fun fights. Um, certainly not a a high profile um, pay per view, but one that certainly gave us some fun moments. Uh, we will also look towards Blades versus Lewis, which I feel like we previewed um, previously. Was was there an issue with COVID? I want to say. Yeah, this fight was scheduled before, but I can't remember when. Um, a while ago, I think it might have been when Blades fought Volkov. I wanted to show that. Um, yeah, which was June. Maybe it feels like it was later than that. Yeah, a while, a while um, ago. Um, but w- we've got a, uh, a ah, right. So it was the headliner for. It was meant to be the headliner for Smith versus Clark. Oh um, yes. Because that was a terrible card. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that was so. That was in November. So yeah, I think I think there. I remember it now. I remember we like we previewed it. We were like, this card is bad. Blades Lewis is the only thing to talk about. And then like an hour after we recorded, <laughs> and it was oh, like, yeah. it was like Blades has got COVID or, or Lewis, whoever it was. Um, yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen again because, um, you know, three well, two of the other fights are are old heavyweights. You've got Phil Hawes, who I think fought on the Khabib Gaethje card and was in action for all of sort of 30 seconds. Uh, you've got a women's bantamweight fight in there. Um, and then you've got sort of like a, a sort of rogue outside the rankings featherweight fight. Um, it's not the best. Uh, so we're probably just going to focus on the main event. Um, but but we'll pick out some perhaps other fights that, that could be quite fun. But we'll start with 258. Um we may as well start at the top because that was obviously yep. uh, the main talking point coming out of it. Um, Kamara Usman defeating Gilbert Burns, uh, third round TKO, but but certainly not without his problems. Uh, obviously no. got knocked down probably quite uh, probably within the first minute of the fight. I want to I say think it was genuinely it was within the it, yeah it was within the first minute. I think it was after the first jab. Um, I think after the first jab, uh, Burns like cross counted him like straight away and really like knocked him off balance and flurried but couldn't quite get the finish. So yeah, very early on, um Usman had trouble. But yeah, he managed to to see off the trouble. Um I sort of said that in my in my um prediction that I said I I, I mean I didn't I didn't perhaps say it this way, but I said that I thought Usman might just have that sort of championship know how. Um and he certainly had it after he took that after he took that shot early on, um, managed to, to get back up, recover himself, was was quite fortunate with that sort of Gilbert Burns high kick slip that enabled Usman yeah. to sort of like um, keep keep Burns on the ground and just sort of kick his legs and punch his stomach a bit, which enabled him to, I imagine, get his bearings, get his get his, get his feet back, um, but then moved into moved into his game plan in the second round, especially and in the third round. And uh, you know, we talked about. And the influence of Trevor Whitman and, and perhaps what, what what he could bring. I think obviously the big the big talking point is the jab from from both stances of Usman, um, and just just the general improved boxing game planning. 
um, that that sort of pull counter that, that he did in the uh, either the second or the, or the third round. I can't remember which one it was. I think it might have been the second. That really yeah. demonstrated to me that um, this is a newsman that was not sort of resting on his laurels and, and has really taken his game up another level. Yeah, so it was uh, kind of looking back to what we said, it was we got some of the things right in how we thought this fight would play out. But one thing that did surprise me was that Usman really sat back a lot more than I thought he would. Um, we did say that Usman would be fairly reluctant to go to the ground with Burns. And based on um, Burns's slip and the lack of takedown attempts from Usman, that was very true. Usman didn't really have any interest at all in making this a grappling match. Um, and then, and he didn't, but yeah, it surprised me that he wasn't pressuring at all. Uh, I've heard someone say that Gaethje went through a similar kind of stylistic evolution where like he's kind of become a much more sit back kind of, um, kind of counter fighter. Um, and someone made like an interesting point that maybe in kind of like for Whitman, that's his ultimate idea of what the best kind of fighters are. Um, which Whitman being one of the best coaches um, that even for him maybe is like one of his weaknesses or like a, a limitation of Whitman's coaching style. If that is indeed how he envisions kind of the peak of being a fighter, um, because I don't think it particularly suits Usman. Well, I think Usman needs to be the one really kind of going after you and chasing you, even if he's not um, pursuing the takedowns that aggressively. Um, because I think when he did go forward and jabbed, that was when he was at his best. When he was retreating, and I think especially when he was in Southpaw, I thought he was quite defensively vulnerable. Um, like, there were counter-opportunities for Burns. Burns did a decent job kicking him as well, although he didn't get his kicks going as much as he did, say, like against Woodley. Um, so, yeah, I think that was a bit kind of suspect maybe for Usman that um, he kind of let that happen where I think he would have been much better pressing forward consistently um, but as you said the jab um, when he did get it working um, when he wasn't getting countered um, on it was uh, fantastic um, it was a really it's a really studding jab it's very powerful um, and he does time it well like he knocked down Burns with a jab twice because he times it so he kind of feints to draw out Burns's kind of attacks and then really just uses it as a kind of interruption. Like, I think he knocked down Burns twice when he just started a kick and Burns was on one foot. So he managed to time it and get the knockdown there. So he, that was lovely from Usman. I really like that. And then, as you said, the pull counter um, was looked actually quite similar to the, like, what led to the Colby finish. Um, he did something similar, like a few feints or throw away non-committal jabs to draw out the attacks and then pull, throw the right hand. Um, and it was beautiful. He couldn't quite, he was a bit kind of, you can tell he doesn't have like the kind of, he's not a fully polished striker yet because he didn't have like the kind of killer finishing instinct in that moment. He couldn't quite find the right shots and was a bit kind of repetitive when he was trying to get Burns out of there after he hurt him like that. But then, uh, managed to get the finish in the third round by, um, I mean, Burns just, Burns was fairly battered by that point. He'd taken a lot of shots, so um, it's understandable. But yeah, it was, a, it was a good performance by Usman, if a little, there were there were things to work on, I'd say. Um, 
certainly. But still, I, I really enjoyed the fight. As we said, it was Burns managed to get the kind of fight with Usman out of Usman where it where it is nice and fun. So yeah, I, I did really enjoy the fight. Yeah, I think um, if we if we look at it from um, Burns's perspective, I think early on we saw the type of things um, that we thought we'd see from him in terms of um, that aggression, um, the yeah. kicks, certainly the the willingness to to commit to punches and kicks, um, and, and and any of his offense with with more aggression. Knowing that if the takedown came, which 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 you know clearly was not part of Usman's plan at all, there was there was no desire to go um, to the ground whatsoever. He knew that. Um, well, he I, I assume he gambled on the, on 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 the fact that uh, Usman wouldn't, wouldn't want to take him to the ground. You know, um, differently to sort of a Masvidal, where we saw quite a, a tentative striking and a awareness of of the threat of the takedown. Um, but obviously, and I think he's recognised this was a bit chaotic after he got a knockdown, I think, especially in that first round. I'm tentative to say he gassed because I think it was more a case of just accumulation of damage, especially from, like, as you mentioned, like, the Usman jab was just peppering him from sort of the late yeah. the late part of the second round. But I think there was a case if he did overexert himself and he did get a, he did get a bit sort of gun hurt. I think he even said, like, he got a bit Cody Garbrandt on it. Um <laughs> Which is, I like that. <laughs> which is, which I think is is not an unfair assessment, um, and you could obviously see. I think he 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 perhaps recognised that in the immediacy after the loss, he got he got quite emotional. But a, certainly a fun performance from him, um, as you said, and as as I've said previously, dragged a good fight out of Usman, and he's a guy that I think still represents like such good um, matchups for anyone at, at the top of this division. You know, he's only. He's not. He's actually thirty-four, which surprises me. But um, Usman, uh, Burns. Oh, uh, Burns. Okay. Yeah, he has been around yeah. in the UFC for a while, but in in, in terms of a, a welterweight in the UFC, you know, he's he's fairly new to the division. Yeah, that is surprising. Um, I think I think there's a lot of fights out there for him. Um, and yeah, perhaps thirty-three. Uh, perhaps there there needs to be um, just just a bit more sort of offensive uh, composure, and also. I think I think he 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 could get well he could and he did get caught, um, especially getting a bit reckless, throwing a few too many hooks and leaving himself vulnerable down the middle. I know against a guy like Usman, with 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 a jab and more importantly a reach that he's got, you're perhaps more susceptible to those sort of straight punches than than, than with other fighters. But I think that's definitely something he could work on in terms of making sure he sort of not throwing with reckless abandonment and leaving him sort of open for, for jabs and, and, and shots coming down the middle. Yeah, I think uh, going back to kind of what you said about Burns potentially gassing, I think it's not... He did get very... Aggre- like, he obviously really tried to get Usman out of there because I feel like he knew his best his best chance was early. Like, really catching Usman cold um, and getting him out there early was the path to victory for Burns. Um, he, I think he did... He did kind of get tired, and that's in a way that Burns, like the way that he managed to beat Woodley, was that Woodley we know is so low output, like crazy. If it was up to Woodley, he'd throw one strike around. So against Woodley, Burns was very capable of setting his own pace. One by it being Woodley, and two by really hurting him early. 
he like even frightened Woodley off even more from doing anything. Um, so he was by countering early, he was able to basically just have the fight he wanted against Woodley, whereas against Usman, even though he hurt him early in that way, it didn't frighten Usman off, and Usman like still managed in many places, although not always, but at, at times to be able to dictate and set his own pace. Um, and I think Burns can get tired when forced to fight at a high pace consistently. Um, he is more of a burst fighter. Um, and I think that just comes from the way that he throws, to be honest. Like he throws, the way that he counters is like he puts everything behind his shots. There are no throwaways, really. Um, so, and you, you can't fight that fight that way consistently for 25 minutes. Like I don't think any human could. Um, so Burns does get tired when he's forced to do that. And when you give him a lot to think about and a lot to counter, um, because he's going to throw everything behind those counters. Um, and if you can make him do that, it's a similar thing possibly in a way that I suppose that like Holloway did to Aldo Holloway really kept in Aldo's face. I mean, I know I, f- I always find a way to bring it back to Max mm-hmm. Holloway, but um, Holloway really kept in Aldo's face and just kept giving him things to do and things to like reasons to throw his counters. And that really exhausted Aldo. Um, and that tied him out within two, three rounds. Whereas Aldo's tired before, but was capable of going five rounds with other people that didn't make him do that. Um, so I think if you can do that to Burns, you can keep making him counter and keep making him throw. You can tire him out. And I think that's something that Usman did well. Yeah, um, no, totally agree. Uh, but yeah, fun fight. Uh, moving forward, um, Usman, I think seemingly looks like he's going to get the Masvidal fight again, which... Um, weird, I don't know. He made the call out, which I can assume is one that he probably sees as low risk and probably the most lucrative out of anyone in that. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what's happening with Covington. I, I thought there was perhaps a chance he might take up um, the Edwards, Edwards fight. But... I think I think perhaps he's just seeing it as the most lucrative. I don't think there's a bigger fight for him in terms of sort of casual appeal and probably paycheck than um, than a Masvidal fight. Who knows? Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens with that for Burns. Um, I mean, there's plenty of fun fights. I mean, Burns Burns Covington's a great fight. Um, Burns Burns Wonder Boy. There's plenty plenty of fun, fun fights out there for for him. Um, if we move down the card, um, we've got Comain, Alexa Grasso, Macy Barber. I know Jack, you didn't catch much of this, but I thought, to be honest, um, pretty pretty tough welcome back in for Macy Barber after a year of um, being out with injury. Alexa Grasso is someone who I think this is only a second fight at flyweight, but has fought a lot of very decent competition at um, at straw rate. You know, she's got fights against Tatiana Suarez, Carolina Kovalevich, Carlos Sparza. You know, she's she's fought a lot of good people um, down 115, and um, yeah, I think this this was perhaps quite a uh, unfavorable uh, way to return to the division. But she's only 22, I think, um, and she, she'll be fine. She just needs to take a step back and just 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 keep her own development for Grasso. I think she probably could be someone who is a, a couple of wins away from a fight against Shevchenko. Uh, <laughs> That's the like, division boxing, for you. Boxing's good. Yeah. Um, 
working the clinch is good. She seems like she's big enough for the weight. I'm, I mean, I, I'm yeah, not... uh, from what I did catch, which was the first round of this, because I was halfway through it as we started recording this podcast. Um, <laughs> so from what I did catch, um, I was kind of surprised by how strong Grasso looked in the clinch. Uh, I thought Macy Barber would be able to kind of have a way with her there. Um, Barber's very big um, and quite physical. Uh, but I think Grasso did look quite strong there, so that was that's encouraging at least. Yeah, it's, she's certainly someone to look out for um, as as someone you could potentially drag a, a fun fight out of Shevchenko. But we'll see. Um, yeah. Gaslim Heinish, Ricky Simone, two sort of wrestling performances. Uh, we sort of we sort of expected that from Simone. We saw a lot of his sort of trademark um, reactive double legs, uh, but Gaslim not so much. But returning back to that sort of wrestling foundation that he used sort of in his earlier career. Um, and, and yeah, both both picking up solid unanimous decision victories. Yeah, the Simone one was pretty much exactly what we said. Um, like, he really, he does time, like his double legs very well. And even, I remember against Hani Yaha, um, there was one takedown he did where he just like ducked under and just shouldered him like in the chest and just like bowled him over. So he does hit kind of like reactive takedowns very consistently. Um, and I do like that. And I also like that he kind of um, mixes that in with kind of body shots. So like just the level change, he'll mix in the level change with the takedown, the level change with the body shots very nicely. Um, so I really like Ricky Simone just for those two kind of cool things that he does. Um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed that fight. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Kelleher, we said that the main threat was probably the guillotine. Um, but it didn't really, it was never present, really. Um, Ricky Simone just, just did what he wanted, and it was a good fun fight. Um, and yeah, Gastelum, um, this was quite a funny fight, I thought. Like, Gastelum's chin is just insane. Um, he got flying need fairly cleanly twice, and then just picked up Ian Heinish and slammed him straight away after. I was like, <laughs> I just thought that was. Ian Heinish can't catch a break like pretty much any other middleweight in the division and that's lights out. Um, so yeah, he's just unlucky that he drew, that he got that against Kelvin Gastelum. But other than that, yeah, uh, Gastelum putting on a fairly wrestle-heavy performance, um, which is surprising against Heinish, who's normally very resistant to that. And you, you just, I was surprised that Gastelum was the man to kind of undo that in a way. Um, yeah, fairly decent performance from Gastelum. And a good performance from Simone. No, agreed. Uh, elsewhere, well, I guess the, the final one of the main card was very much a, a, a come-from-behind victory for um, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Julian Marquez. <laughs> um, he's been in sort of the news for his bizarre sort of interactions with Miley Cyrus, which I'm not really sure yeah. exactly what's going on. But a fun win for him, and um, certainly given the amount of time he's been out of the octagon, um, I'm sure that felt pretty good to, to get a win like that in that manner. Uh, yeah, I thought that was, I did like, I quite enjoyed this fight. This was like, Patolo opened up kind of how, like, Makitolo is, like, I don't know, he's good. I really enjoy watching him. He's always fun, but he's on a three-fight losing streak, which is um, <laughs> not good. So he could be in danger of getting cut, which I think would be quite sad. Um, but yeah, whatever, what are you going to do? Um, but no, like, Patolo opened up very aggressively. Um body shots, head kicks, kind of hurt uh, Marquez quite early on um, and then kind of wrestled him for the rest of the fight. Um, 
But then Marquez battled back in um, and managed to land quite a few clinch knees, um, a lot of right hands as well. Hurt Patolo quite bad and got Patolo like desperately shooting on him after that. Um, and that's where he found the finish um, from there. So, yeah, uh, it was a really fun fight that was, actually. Yeah, no, really I must say, I have been impressed um, with Patolo, um, even, as you say, if he is on sort of a three-fight skid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Elsewhere, well, the only two we'll, we'll finish with. Um, I'll quickly touch on Balama Hamad um, fighting Diego Lima. Only relevance being is uh, he now fights uh, Leon Edwards in March, I think, um, stepping in to replace Hamzat Chimaev. Um, a good fight from him, but against a guy like Diego Lima, who um, backs up to the cage and doesn't really do a whole lot of um, sort of footwork or, or, or put, a, put a whole lot of effort into moving himself off the cage, um, it was always going to be a sort of favourable matchup for him and I'm not sure I learned too much more uh, about him but we will talk more about that uh, more about him uh, in, in due course the only other one to finish on is the uh, the real betting underdog um, <laughs> not only in the um, victory but in the manner of the victory uh, Anthony Hernandez um, defeating a, a gassed out which I think is fair to say Adolfo Vieira uh, by a second round submission I mean the guy, we, we said this before, the guy is a unit, Adolfo Vieira. He um, really is. And, 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 and seemingly that comes with the um, with the sort of, uh, well, the consequence that if, if the fight doesn't finish within the first sort of three minutes, uh, he's in trouble. Because yeah, the, the classic Joe minutes, Rogan. Like he, was, he was sort of carrying sort of 150 kilograms and couldn't, couldn't, couldn't swing for anything. Yeah, it was the classic Joe Rogan. His blood's very, his, <laughs> his blood's very full of muscles. Uh, no, his muscles are very full of blood. A lot of oxygen in there. Um, and Joe Rogan says that gets you tired. Um, and it clearly looked like it did. But I mean, straight away from like the first takedown he landed, like he picked him up and just slammed him down. Like there was no kind of efficiency to the takedown. Um, it was a very kind of really get after him. So if you know that you've got kind of suspect cardio, you might want to go for a slightly kind of lower level takedown than that um but yeah like he looked obviously fantastic on the ground for like the first few minutes um really controlled him um chased submissions fairly aggressively um but uh, all credit to hernandez he did a very good job at defending um and actually managed to get back up and hurt uh, Vieira towards the end of the first round um which was yeah, very impressive that he managed to survive that and just survive the initial onslaught because it looked nasty to start with. Like, Vieira got his back within the first minute, I think, um, and then had it mounted for a while and was looking for an arm triangle. Um, so, yeah, very, like, fantastic defending from Hernandez um, because a lot of people would panic in that situation. You've got, like, one of the best grapplers in the world on top of you, um, completely dominating you. Um <laughs> So, yeah, a lot of people would um, panic in that situation. But Hernandez didn't. And he managed to get back up and hurt Vieira. And then going into the second round, um, on the feet, it wasn't really a contest. Um, everything Hernandez threw was really dinging Vieira very cleanly. Um, started throwing in some uppercuts as well because he knew Vieira wanted to shoot on him. Um, and, yeah, hurt him quite a few times with clinch elbows. Um, and then got a guillotine finish, which is... Absolutely wild. Um, insane. He, I mean, Vieira was obviously very, very hurt. Um, but still, to get the submission is crazy. 
yeah, no, um, crazy stuff from him. Um, crazy good performance. And yeah, for Adolfo Vieira, I didn't really know. Just yeah, stop, stop that blood pump, pumping around your muscles because it's <laughs> not going to work well for you. I mean, yeah, he's obviously still got the um, the BJJ skills to to fall back on, and, and as you say, perhaps on another night he he ends up getting that yeah. submission. But um, there's clearly a massive cardio issue that needs to be addressed because. Um, you just you just cannot you just cannot be a fighter that can't go more than three and a half minutes at a at, yeah. a, at a high tempo because you know people people much better than Anthony Hernandez and people of the ilk of Anthony Hernandez will survive your opening sort of submission threat and then just pour onto you um, as as uh, as Hernandez did um, but much much to work on but again he's sort of early in his career even if he is well I think quite an old dude and he's only he's only thirty one so there's this time um but yeah that was ufc 258 um a fun card um some good fights in there um a good main event which is always what you want um if we move to two not not 258 and we just had that if we move to blades versus lewis um which is coming up this weekend i mean there's not a whole lot that is drawing inspiration. Um, I know, I know. We said um, we let we'd we'd give it a week uh, to to sort of fester, and perhaps we'd come back with more positivity. I mean, if I'm looking at the card now, Dracar close Louis Louis Pena um, does it like a fun fight. Dracar close is is coming back from. Um, what I think I can only describe as an absolute slobber knocker against Benil yeah. Garage. That's, that's, that's the only time you hear that phrase. That was a cracker. Um, on the main card, I mean, Tom Aspinall is a British fighter and he did knock out, I can't remember who was the, who was the name of the fighter he knocked um, out early doors. I don't know if I've actually seen Aspinall fight. He knocked out Jake, Jake Collier with essentially the first fight, with, with the first fight, with the first punch he threw uh, in his debut and then beat Alan Baldo, who for all means, or, or for all intents and purposes, I should say, was a, a light heavyweight stepping up. Um, so I didn't really take much from that um, one. You know, we always say with uh, Arlovsky, any anyone with any hype, um, goes in to face Arlovsky and just sort of um, ends up, well, getting um, getting sort of put in their place. Uh, Philip Lind yeah. um, and Tanner Bosa, his two last victims. Um, yeah, Arlovsky is the the heavyweight kind of litmus test. Um, if you you need to be able to beat him very convincingly for me to for me to be kind of excited about you going forward at heavyweight. Um, yeah, you sort of you got, have a you've got you sort of a bad fight with him. Is the your opening sort of uh, boss, uh, if that's yeah, <laughs> and then that's that that sort of cracks you into the rankings or maybe ju- just outside the rankings, and then you've got um, for for however long he's still around, sort of um, a JDS or an Alinic, which is like yeah. oh, welcome to the elite members club, aka the uh, the top ten. <laughs> yeah, no, that is um, they are the kind of litmus litmus tests at heavyweight, so you need to be able to do good work against them otherwise you're maybe not the best um yeah um elsewhere on this card um we've got phil hawes versus oh gosh nasadine imavov who i can't say i've seen a whole lot of of either um i think hawes fought i think hawes debuted rather on the um the maga made of gaichi card there's not really too much to say about that um a linic 
coming up against Chris Dorcas. Um, Chris Dorcas, who's only four. I think it's probably. Was it Dorcas? Oh, maybe it is that. In my head, it was Dukakis, but I don't feel oh. like that's someone else. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm looking at the name closely. It's not. I feel like we'll Dorcas. Go with, we'll, go, probably... we'll go with Chris. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's only he's only for a couple of rounds. Uh, well, literally a couple of rounds. Um, a couple of fights, um, both of which didn't last past the first round. So this is actually quite a step up for him. But I think Alenik is finally fading away. Um, although his oh, last you fight, say that. But although although his last fight was Derek Lewis. Yeah, does seem um... crazy. This, this is this is. I think I think they they sort of like. They throw him down like I'm looking at it now. He sort of suffers a defeat, and then they're like, "Right, we can finally get him out of there." And they throw him down against sort of the lower the lower echelons of the heavyweight division. And he sort of works his way back up. Like he got battered by Blades and then beat Albini and Hunt. And they're like, "Right, okay." <laughs> Over him and Harris lost both of them. Then they're like, "Right, yeah. we've got him now. Send him back down there." Beats Marie Green, beats Verdum, and now he's back up with the big boys. Um, obviously got battered by Lewis. Uh, who knows what will happen with Chris Dawkins? I guess they're putting him in with a heavy puncher. They hope he can get him out of there, but we'll see. I mean, Olympic fights are sort of um, fun in how sort of bizarre and, and unorthodox they are. Um, expect some big sort of windmill overhands from Olympic as he sort of chases a single leg. Um, Pretty much. But Sounds yeah. like every Olympic fight. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Charles Rosa, Derek Minner, and Caitlin Vieira versus Yana Kunitskaya. I've not got a whole lot of intrigue or enthusiasm for. Um, so the majority of this um, preview is largely going to be Blades Lewis, which is in fact a fight we've already previewed. Um, and to be honest, I think not a whole lot uh, has changed from our from our initial. Um, preview of that i don't know actually i feel like okay i feel like i can't remember what i said in the initial one but i feel like i was fairly dismissive of Derek lewis thinking about it again i a little part of me quite fancies lewis's chances in this okay i know i know like picking Derek lewis is like poison you should never do it like there's no reason to ever pick him but there is just a part of me that thinks that actually kind of considering blades in the volkov fight he did get tired um i just think and he's not a huge finishing threat on the ground i think that's probably in my initial prediction that's probably one thing i overestimated from blades um i think i said that he'd be able to take lewis down at will which i still think he probably will for at least a long time He'll be able to take Lewis down fairly consistently for at least the first three rounds, I think. Um, but I don't know if he'll be able to finish him, um, which I thought maybe my initial prediction, I said that he would. Um, and Lewis, even when absolutely exhausted, like can still kill any man alive when with just one right hand. Um, so if Blades can't get him out of there, I feel like the fourth, fifth rounds could be difficult because Lewis will even if he's on his back, is going to be kind of really fighting um, and like pushing and making blades work, I think, in a, like not a very technical way, in a way that's going to exhaust Lewis himself. Um, but still, I think that if Lewis is still there really late, I just, and I think he might be, I 
think he's got a decent chance. I don't think you can count him out. Um, so I don't know. There's a small part of me that like is telling me that Derek Lewis is going to win this. And I can't shake it. <laughs> yeah, I think there isn't perhaps the the submission threat. Blades, I think um, what we saw with the the Lewis Cormier fight is that if you combine that top pressure with a sort of constant pursuit of a take uh, of a submission, then I think that's where you can see yeah um, blade wait wait where you can see Lewis tire out more. I wonder whether there could be an element of sort of smothering from Lewis um, and he'll just accept the takedown and and perhaps to a large extent um, limit the damage. So I could see that um, possibly happening. I don't know. You've 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 really put some doubts into my head. I think <laughs> yeah. I think I can still I can still see. Um, I don't know. I, I like picking, as you said, like what what happens in a in a, in a Derek Lewis fight is honestly, it's anyone's guess. Like you I never think, know. I think also. It'll be interesting to see um, how how Blades comes out in the striking. Whether yeah. whether we'll we'll see Blades push forward and and set the tone with the striking. He's he's been using leg kicks a bit more. Set the tone with striking. Push in, sort of back Lewis up and go for the takedowns. In that sense, are we going to see a more sort of um, lure Lewis in and sort of reactively get the takedowns. I'm not sure that's sort of Blazer's style. Um, I don't, like, see, that's the thing. Like, I think Blades is actually probably a better kind of shot takedown artist compared to, like, he's not much... Compared to DC, who's a better... Um, a more MMA kind of style of wrestling, yeah. despite being, like, an Olympian. Um, it's a very kind of, like, uh, cage kind of takedown style. Um, and that's where... Uh, Cormier was able to take down Lewis pretty much whenever he wanted, but some against the cage, some out in the open, whatever. Um, I think that Blades will have more success out in the open, to be honest, just shooting doubles. Uh, if there, if Lewis can kind of le- lean against the cage, he might have a bit more success defending the takedowns. Um, but yeah, going back to kind of what you said about the striking, and that's like, this is also a weird thing. It's like, Blades is clearly the better grappler. And to be honest, technically probably the better striker um but i still think lewis might win which in a way doesn't make sense um i've said that blade is probably better everywhere but Derek lewis just have has those intangibles that he doesn't go away really like he's been finished a few times but not frequently and he gets tired but he's still dangerous when he's tired and if yeah so i don't know i just can't shake it can't shake the feeling but I could also like very much and probably the safest bet would be a fairly strong domination by Blades for quite a while and then maybe a finish. Um, but there's always that chance with Derek Lewis. Yeah, you really don't know. Um, I think I will stick with Blades just, but you've, 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 you've imparted a, a sense of nervousness in that pick perhaps a little <laughs> bit more good certainty about 10 minutes ago we'll see hopefully um we get a fun fight out of it what i don't want is sort of 
a tentative blades, uh, Lewis not throwing much, and then sort of like blades just sort of leaning against him, um, again, leaning against him on the fence for for, for for twenty points. Hopefully, we can get something fun. Um, yeah, but we'll see. You never really know with blades or Lewis or heavyweights for that matter. Or just just or just with heavyweights. You know. um, but yeah, that's uh, unless unless you've got anything else to to mention, Jack. Uh, no, that's everything I can think of. Yeah, well, um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week um, to preview, well, sorry, to, to review, hopefully, some 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 fun heavyweight fights, but that sounds rather hopeful, um, as I say it. <laughs> um, and we've got another heavyweight um, main event, because clearly we've not run off, although this one could actually be quite interesting, uh, Rosenstrike versus Gan. Um, you've got Ankalaya versus Krylov in the co-main, which is a fun fight. Um, Munoz Riviera, um, Alexander Hernandez Thiago Moises could be a fun fight, and and still listed as um, TB uh, TBC uh, potentially a an opponent for Ryoni Barcelos or how how believe that no he was supposed to be fighting Sunsal. Um, I was just looking it up now as you were talking. Um, there, there's been talk of uh, a few people, but nothing as of yet. And you, and you, you fear with a week to go, he might not be. But it's still down there, so so you never know. Um, he's a fun fighter, and hopefully he can get something together. But if not, there's still a good amount to preview there. Um, and then after that, it is two five nine, which is uh, which is which is looking good. Um, and and there's there's plenty to preview in that um but thank you everyone for listening um stay safe and uh we will see you next week see ya purple radio podcasts thanks for downloading this purple radio podcast for more great content and to listen live head to purpleradio.co.uk